came first, sex or violence? Join us as each week we take our favorite horror movies and talk about the sex and the violence in each one. This is the Sex and Violence Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Sex and Violence Podcast. I'm MJ. And I'm Ray. And today we are talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. I was going to sing the song, the, <laughs> the Freddie song, but then I chickened out at the last moment. <laughs> I don't even know if they, I know the words. It's one, two, Freddie's coming for you. Mm-hmm. Three, four, Three, four, better lock better your lock door. door. Yeah. Something like that. And then oddly five, six, like pick up sticks. Like, I guess because it's a children's rhyme. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the, the the reasoning behind that. Seven, eight. Stay seven, up late. Nine, ten. You'll never four. sleep again. Yeah, never sleep again. Yeah. Yeah. The sticks make zero sense. But anyway, <laughs> nightmare on the street. We have a change of plans. I know in the last episode I said we were going to talk about excision, but I was having a hard time. Uh, locating that but since I said that I have found a copy so I'll watch it this week and then we'll just kind of bump it to next week hopefully the copy I got works but look Canadian Netflix and things like that there's some sort of law that exists Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is but we don't get half the shit that you guys get (laughs) every now and then when I go to the states I'll log on to Netflix on my phone or something I'm like what the fuck (laughs) why don't we have all this doesn't make any sense. Anyway, okay, let's start off. A brief synopsis of The Nightmare on Elm Street. The monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. That's a pretty good synopsis, IMDb, even if we're sticking with the one sentence. That's, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I, I think it does kind of give away a plot point about the parents which I mean who hasn't sure does point but no that's very true that is supposed to be a reveal and yet that is right there in the synopsis that's like the whodunit kind of like you're not supposed to say that that mother oh my god (laughs) I forgot about her just like at the drinking towards the end just uh, anyway okay we're getting ahead of ourselves when's the first time you watched this movie did you see this when you were really young oh my gosh okay so back to raise childhood traumas regarding horror movies i have cousins that because i was scared of everything they would torture me with horror movies (laughs) and i have a cousin in particular that every time i went to her house she would turn on either halloween or nightmare on elm street oh my gosh you can hear that motorcycle anyways that was really um, loud (laughs) i know right anyways every time i went to her house she would specifically turn on something to scare me with (laughs) but she was also a strange child anyways like she was always like I fully believed she was like six and watching horror movies, mm-hmm. but she would torture me with it. And so I was probably six or seven. Oh, Chucky too. She turned on Chucky to scare me. Oh, Chucky's, Chucky's my, my big, I didn't sleep after. I saw the poster for Chucky in the yeah. video rental store and that was enough. <laughs> I was like, no dice. <laughs> she had the doll. And I distinctly remember one time like this there was probably a grown-up involved in this somewhere but we threw it on the roof because we were scared of it and then it was like on her bed the next day 
Oh my god. <laughs> it's like the scariest shit that had ever happened to us. No. Um, that's what my point is very young because I was tortured by my cousins. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't see this until I was at least like I was gonna say, you know, the age that you watch horror movies, which was probably about like 10 or 11, which is still pretty young. But I I uh, was really interested. I was really into horror movies. Uh, and I remember watching this and Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. and I think Christine, like all in the same day. Like I, my neighbor, her name was Lisa, probably still is named Lisa, but uh, <laughs> we got, we got together and we like rented a bunch of horror movies and watched them all one day. And yeah, I definitely made an impression as far as like, if you think about Pet Cemetery and Christine, <laughs> which are, mm-hmm. I mean, Pet Cemetery has a little bit of gore in it, but definitely not compared to a Wes Craven movie. Oh, yeah. So and then, of course, like it's definitely one of those ones that like you watch when you're a teenager watching horror movies with friends and stuff like that. Like it was always, I always had Halloween parties and we put scary movies on, and this was mm-hmm. one of them that we'd watch all the time. Uh, I definitely didn't pick up. It was interesting because I've watched this so many times. It's almost like when you memorize a song and you have a lyric wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> but every time you listen to the song, you just sing it with the wrong lyric and it doesn't matter um I definitely didn't pick up on the sexual I want to say overtones of of this and then when I watched it again for this podcast I was like oh boy (laughs) how did I not see any of this like I was just watching with the same eyes I'd always watched and then as soon as I looked at it differently I was like everything like right from the very first shot when we see Tina Mm-hmm. Um, she's wearing this nightgown she's in her dream but we don't know if she's in her dream but she's wearing this nightgown which is very like virginal and pure but then you can just see her entire body through it like you can mm-hmm. see her nipples you can see her enti- like everything like she might as well be walking around in her dream naked um, and so I was like wow like I just never noticed how instantly these characters are immediately sexualized and then mm-hmm. continue to be so throughout the rest of the movie um did you pick up on that at all or was it like kind of the same or it's just like a random generic horror movie and like um, Johnny Depp's crop top right <laughs> I think that I didn't look at it as critically as that but I think that I kind of always got the implication that he wasn't just a child murderer like I think somewhere in my head I knew I was like oh no it's something different than that because <laughs> yeah like bad touch. you know yeah yeah interesting yeah I never I I always just kind of was like he's just evil I didn't really see any of the other stuff and then yeah there's a lot there's a lot in here (laughs) obviously like you know like the telephone with his like tongue coming through the phone and (laughs) that always that always freaked me out it always gave me like really no feelings (laughs) but yeah but the overall like him being a child molester was really not something that peeked through for me until I had to really step back so it's interesting um I'd like to know too just on that note like if anyone's following our Twitter just let us know if you picked up on that or if it's kind of like me where I was like man how did I miss this (laughs) it's it's obvious it's so obvious so um he was he is branded in this movie as a child killer not a child molester in the remake he is a child molester slash murderer 
Uh, and I think that a lot of people had a problem with that addition to it, but I did read a fact that he was originally supposed to be, that his character was written as child molester, but in California at the time that this was being made, there was a bunch of really highly publicized court cases that were happening at this, that time. And as Wes Craven was kind of like finishing up everything, he was like, I don't feel comfortable with that being part of the movie. He didn't want it to look like he was cashing in on mm -hmm. this news. So he just changed it. So he was just a child murderer, which I mean, either way, that's pretty bad, but, yeah. but he kind of took that out of his storyline, but it's still really there. Like we were just talking about it really comes through in the way that he interacts with them. Mm -hmm. um, the bathtub scene, obviously, course, yeah. obviously. Um, and then like the phone part as well. And just kind of like, he's very touchy feely with them. <laughs> like yeah. as he's, as he's chasing them, like the pre-murder is very gropey. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. And I know, I think we're going to get into the second one, but which the second one is kind of a whole other beast. Oh man. It really is. In that one also, like there's the scene where he caresses his face. And apparently what was supposed to happen there was that he was supposed to actually stick one of the knives in his mouth. And they were like, uh, maybe, maybe step back a little bit. <laughs> like there's implying and then there's just like full on, whoa. <laughs> uh, that's great. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> that does right. like, that crosses a line for sure. That's, yeah, there's no how did they there step back a bit there's so many things that happened in the second one that nobody yes. stepped back and looked at it's incredible it really is right remarkable yeah. okay so let's we have we have nancy in this movie um she's being haunted by freddie in her dreams and it is very much a classic horror movie heroine i'm gonna beat the villain uh, scenario that happens through this entire movie we definitely root for Nancy she's kind of she's got this like really crazy drive to her where she just wants to take him down like immediately too mm -hmm. I guess as soon as her friend dies when Tina dies it's very like game on kind of moment for her but I really admire her character and how how in it she is for this entire mm -hmm. thing like she's very innovative she's very smart she's fun to watch they do a good job with casting her as that very strong female lead and they definitely give her that purity aspect to her character they because, really do you know it's it's tina and rod that are having like raucous sex in the other room and it's man i've always thought that was funny because i know i'm loud but in these movies where it's like two teenagers it's like come on tina like you know rod's not that good calm down right like i think the same thing about linda and halloween i'm just like come on linda it's I, fine. You can be honest. Okay. <laughs> so, so then we see her go through some pretty crazy things like sleep deprivation is a big part of this movie with, are you insane or are you not insane? I thought they played really well with that. Um, and she is very pure and, and her boyfriend is very interesting. It's, they have the Tina and Rod thing where I noticed when we first meet Rod, as far as like him being Tina's boyfriend, when they're at the house, he sneaks up behind her and grabs her from behind. And he does, he grabs her in the exact same way that two seconds later, when she falls asleep, 
Freddy then grabs her. Like, it almost looks like the exact same, like it's supposed to be a psych out. Like, is it Rob or is it Freddy kind of thing? And I just thought it was interesting that her boyfriend kind of like attacks her in the same way that her murderer does. But they're very um, opposite to Nancy and wait, what's her boyfriend's name? I'm Glenn. blanking out. Glenn, right. The most boring name in the world. Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> right. But Nancy and Glenn, he's just very useless. <laughs> He really is, though. He doesn't. He doesn't offer anything to the plot. He has hardly any presence at all. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting move. She, she, you kind of question what their relationship really is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Let's yeah, see. I was trying to think in the movie. I, I'm trying to remember because I've watched the remake and the original on like the same night, and so I'm like, okay, which was remake, which was original. Um, he presents the idea of the book he was reading about bringing him into this world or how you can't, he can't hurt you if you're not scared of him. Right. So yeah. there's that. Whenever I think of Glenn in the original, okay, it, my thought process is, is crop top. Yeah. That insanely gory death scene. Yes. <laughs> and then always the shot of where he's laying on the bed and has that like giant ass TV just like on his chest. I know. I have one of those, by the way. It doesn't work. <laughs> I really the technology like, of it all. Do like, a gender swap photo shoot with me as like a crop top yes. with my TV. It's really, it's very. Yeah, that definitely sets the tone for what era that takes place in, for sure. But his like his media overload to try and stay awake, like his headphones while he's mm-hmm. watching TV, and I think there's something else going on. I can't remember what it is, but I was like, that's the opposite of what you do. Whenever I turn on the television and I'm tired, I immediately fall asleep. Like <laughs> you gotta, gotta do something else. Like Nancy's got the right idea with a coffee maker, like inside her bedside table. But <laughs> um, so then the ending of this movie, very open-ended. Like what, what do you think? What do you think about the ending? First of all, Mm. I always felt very unsatisfied with it. Yeah. <laughs> was like, you watch this entire thing. Obviously, they're intentionally setting it up for a sequel. She can't mm-hmm. beat Freddie because he has to come back. Mm-hmm. Originally, they were supposed to, she was supposed to get in the car. I'm remembering this. I don't have this written down. She was supposed to get in the car and all of her friends were there and the whole thing was a dream. Like the entire thing was a dream and it goes back like and everyone's alive and all of her friends are there. And then she gets in the car and it starts to drive away and it's Freddie driving the car. And yeah. then that's like the end of it where it's and instead of the car that is Freddie, which reminded me very much of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors with groundskeeper Willie turning into like the lawnmower and stuff. Like I was just yeah. like, but the- um Go ahead. I don't know if it's related right this second, but the body horror in this franchise is so interesting to me. Like you said, of the, t- the tongue going to the phone, like when he like cuts himself open to show that he's just like yellow goo or yep. off his own fingers. All of that is so interesting to me. And like, yes, like you said, the car. I don't know why. Like it feels out of place to me for some reason. But it definitely is. That would one hundred percent be a producer decision as to how we are going to end this movie to further a franchise out of it it doesn't fit into everything that we've seen it doesn't fit into the plot it doesn't fit into anything it feels like an outside decision for sure and I think that's why it always bothered me it was like almost like a cut and paste kind of thing as if they didn't have an ending and they just slap something together 
Yeah, I agree. And what it kind of gives me is in these movies. Okay, so Carrie, the last scene where the she reaches through the grave. <sighs> yep. And it's like the big jump scare. You think everything's over. Oh, it's peaceful. Grab, right? Yeah. At, I've watched, I've been watching documentaries. So <laughs> I was watching the Friday the 13th, like whole series documentary. Oh, that's so Twitter. good. And they were talking about how they got the idea for the last scare at the end of the original from Carrie. Yeah. Because you can tell the lighting is even the same. Yeah. She's in the boat and everything's peaceful. It's all great. And then up comes uh, zombified Jason to grab her at the very last second. Yes. Um, it kind of gives me that same feel like, oh, everything's fine. We need the last scare. And so maybe it's just because I've watched that and have it on my mind, but it almost feels like that hey, this is working good for all the other movies. Let's do this. And yes, for sure. For sure. It definitely feels, it definitely feels wrong. <laughs> the entire context of everything. And you're right. The body horror is really, really good. I will say that the ending of the remake, because yes, you see like him come through the window and grab the mother mm -hmm. in the original, but in the remake, it's much more gnarly because he comes through the mirror and his knives go through the mother's eyes. And I don't remember why I had to pause it. There was some reason I had to pause it right then. And so I got this super grisly shot of like her eyes popping out of her head. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so it ends, it sets it up for Francis, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. She didn't beat him, Freddie's alive. Now what? <laughs> um, if you haven't seen the sequel to this, I have only made it as far as the sequel. I haven't got any further than that. Actually, I remember seeing a new nightmare. I'm pretty sure I saw that in movie theater. Like I saw it when it first came out. I think besides the awfulness of Freddy versus Jason, I think this is as far as I've seen. If I've seen the other ones, it was in passing like a long time ago. Yeah, I've definitely seen Freddy versus Jason. Mm -hmm. Like maybe twice. I'm ashamed to admit that. <laughs> But um, the second one, the second play, the second one has a place for many reasons. Now, uh, was it last week we talked about, or was it the first episode? Maybe it was the first episode. And we did mention, I said that there's a documentary on Shudder that everyone should watch about the second Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's called Scream Queen. And it centers around the man that starred in the second one because mm -hmm. uh, we now have our very first male scream queen entering the ring, which at that time, that's a big deal for a lot of reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. It's definitely not as progressive as that move would be now to have that, like it, it wouldn't have been a statement. It was definitely just a casting decision uh, for him to be cast in that role. But the implications that come out of that are huge. They're massive. <laughs> what what do you what do you pick up from this movie when you watch this movie? Like, is it scary? Let's answer that question first. Um, I don't recall. Like, I can see the merits and how scary the first one was. I can see the remake also was very satisfyingly creepy. This one, I never really like. Not to say like too many of these movies like really 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 scare me. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Let me restart. So one of the first things that strikes me about this one is that it feels like a later remake. It doesn't feel like the first sequel of a huge movie. 
Absolutely. For some not. reason, this feels like like seven or eight. It feels like it's kind of far down the line. And maybe it's because it feels so disconnected from the first one, because his only connection to any of this is that he moves into her old house. He moves into Nancy's old house. Yes. And it's like, okay. It's very, <laughs> exactly. Especially seeing as we saw Freddie in various locations and no way was he attached to her mm-hmm. home. It's an interesting move story-wise, but yes, go on. And like you said, with the male, uh, the lead with the, the scream, quote unquote, queen being a male, that makes it so interesting because it really subverts what was happening in all of these movies. Um, Nancy very much was the one of the typical scream queens with, with her mindset, with her purity, with things like that. And then it's like, okay, here's this guy who lives in this house and we're following him and there's yeah it's (laughs) yes it's so interesting to me that people are like no there is no subtext to this movie it's just a horror movie and it's like no that's the most like homoerotic thing I've seen outside of like actual gay porn (laughs) (laughs) exactly so we have Nancy in the first one who is by far like she sorry she is definitely sexualized through that movie as far as Freddie having this attraction to her whether as a child or now as an adult but either way she is the corruptible right she is pure the whole goal of this is corrupting Nancy like he she's the ultimate prize in that movie Tina goes really quick everyone else is really easy they're not really in prey she puts up a fight she's the that that's the whole metaphor for it so if we play on that and this man this boy is now our main character in that exact same role of freddie pursuing there's no way to not look at it where it's not a sexualized thing and it's really interesting to see jesse preyed upon in that way so so the, let's do us we'll do a small synopsis for the second one a teenage boy is hunted in his dreams haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer freddy krueger who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world so unlike the first one where we have him coming after nancy this is him literally trying to take over jesse's body (laughs) like which again there's no there is no way to watch this movie and not see the subtext whether you're saying that politely or cruelly is completely up to you and that that documentary there are quite a lot of negative uh homophobic reviews towards that Mm -hmm. i I think it's very creative i i it's cheesy as fuck this movie is not (laughs) enjoyable to watch unless you're watching it specifically to find that subtext yeah it like you said with him trying to he's trying to keep Freddie at bay the whole time he's trying not to become Freddie, and so it's like oh it's teenage boys struggling with trying not to become this thing and it's just like yeah yes exactly uh the like the wrestling fight he has with the guy that later becomes his best friend and he gets pantsed it's just oh all of it is classic did you mention i couldn't hear you there for a second the the dance scene in his bedroom yes the dance scene in his bed (laughs) exactly uh and then we have the freddy's (laughs) revenge (laughs) in the uh the shower scene which is just incredible 
on it's so just, many levels. You could kill the gym teacher, but did you have to climb to the wall and spank him? Yes. Like- <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Sounds like a good time, but it's just like, why? Oh man. The, it's, okay. <laughs> it's wonderful to watch. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the second Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Revenge, you definitely need to watch it. I don't know that how else to convince you. YouTube. There the you scene go. Scene itself is on YouTube. If you want to see it, it's it's quite. Oh, and like the, it's just one of those funny scenes where the start of it is interesting because like literally balls start flying, and he just kind of stands there and is like, "What?" And then he gets dragged away by jump ropes on his like arms and legs, and then yes. he gets the wall, and then he's like he's like stripped like the whole like. Yeah, outfit comes off at once like a Chippendale dancer, like yep, exactly. And the towels come out, and he starts getting spanked, and then he dies. Yeah, <laughs> and then he dies. He gets his, he gets some back scratches first, and then he right? Dies. <laughs> it's so, it's remarkable. It really is. Uh, definitely watch it. Watch the documentary that's on there as well. It's interesting. Like I said, the negative feedback that comes from uh, people that are just in a bad place from not liking the subtext of this movie the actor received quite a lot of backlash as a result Mm -hmm. of it which I think is very unfair it really was because he played it as it was given to him you know he didn't go into it thinking well I'm gonna make a statement by playing it like this he just played what he was told to play and then when it got the criticism of hey, this movie's really gay or this the lead character's gay. The writer actually came out and said, well, it wasn't meant to be. He's just so gay that that's how it came across. And it was like, whoa. Yeah, definitely putting the blame on Mark Patton for sure. That it, yeah, it's, it's a, the documentary is hard to watch. It is quite sad at times, but definitely worth the watch. It really, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting footage in it. I'd say it's definitely worth watch, but mm-hmm. I and maybe Freddy's Revenge is like the best of YouTube clip, <laughs> but I find it entertaining for sure. And like, um, it does have a place, I think, because you know, as cheesy as it is, as ridiculous as it can be, I'm sure I know there are people that watched it and could relate to him. Oh and yeah, what he was going through, so it has a place. And in the documentary, they talk about how it's talked about in like film theory classes and um I forget what kind of class they specifically called it but they called it a class where they look at horror movies and what they mean culturally what they say about the culture at the time that they came out yes and so they talk about this movie like it definitely has a place in it for sure does for sure (laughs) obviously outside just the franchise every every era of horror movies does like if you go back to the history of horror movies you have mm-hmm. you know the the what's happening in society is reflected within your horror movie every single time mm-hmm. and I mean talking about Wes Craven he starts in 1972 with um shit what's it called Last House on the Left mm-hmm. which is a direct result of the Manson killings and the court trials that's wrapping up at that exact same time and most of the early 70s horror films become about these roving gangs of cultists and we talked about that as well for halloween right that it Mm -hmm. makes sense at the time that's what's happening at the time that's the the fear it's the same way with cold war happening you have the um that's when like sci-fi 
horror becomes a big mm-hmm. thing. It, and same with the 80s, like mid 80s, this is completely reflective of what's happening in society at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's quite, I, I could, I could go on. I won't. <laughs> but but um, yeah, it is very interesting. I definitely think it's worth the watch. It feels though, like a different movie it doesn't like you said it doesn't it's disjointed you I don't feel like besides Freddie being involved in it you could surplant Freddie with somebody else in this yeah, movie and it would be the exact same movie it doesn't have to be Freddie mm-hmm. just kind of a evil presence or a demon trying to possess this person it's one thing I really like about that documentary though it talks about this movie and it was talking about final girls and it was saying that you know what happens with final girls is that they take back their power and they kind of become the hunter rather than the hunted. They pick up the blade, the knife, they pick up the weapon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would have read this far into it, but he, the person talking in the movie is a professor and he says they pick up the phallus. And so what kind of threw people about this movie is that he's a guy, there is no phallus for him to obtain. So he thought that people didn't like it because we don't see that growth that we expect of our final girls because he's already a male. Like what can, where can he really go? He should kind of already be there, you know? That's interesting. he specifically uses, he says, and it's hard for society to think of a male being defalicized. I was like, that is a hell of a word. I like it. It is though. And that's perfectly accurate about everything that that that's, yeah. That's really good. I really like that. Hey, have you seen Behind the Mask? No, I saw it. Is it on Shutter? Because I saw it somewhere and I was like, hey, I should watch that. It definitely should be. I own it. I loved it from like the minute I saw that movie. That's I, it's I been, think it is on Shutter here. But it's, we can go back into Canada and yeah. <laughs> rights real quick. But I think it is. <laughs> it's the he 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 goes through that. So it's like a fake documentary about a serial killer that's in a supernatural presence like freddie or jason or and it's a camera crew that's following him around while he builds his kill which sounds really hokey but if you're a horror new nerd it is fantastic because it goes into all of that stuff and he says that in the whole thing when he's like it's really important to pick my weapon because she needs to take it and that's exactly what he says he says it's a, a like a phallic symbol mm-hmm. that when she claims it she becomes the victor that that's a whole part of the whole deal so um it's interesting and you should definitely watch that movie you'd love it it's so good cool I will yeah instead of watching something for the 15th time like I do (laughs) I do the same thing (laughs) but that's one of my 15 time ones (laughs) I've seen that so many times anyway okay where are we let's get back to our thing we'll answer our questions that we have let's just focus on the first one because the second one was kind of just a little detour there because we had to talk about that one um (laughs) right is the sex essential to the plot well first of all are we considering him a child molester i feel like his lust for these people drives him if if that's Mm -hmm. the case if he's just a murderer then no he's just kind of (laughs) yeah i mean like making him a murderer it makes it seem more like and in the original I think it would be more vengeance than necessarily Mm -hmm. trying to possess Nancy in any kind of way 
but in the new one, oh my gosh, they lay it on pretty thick. thick. I mean, very thick. Yeah. They don't just say, oh, he was a child molester. They also specifically say you were his favorite. And then later when he's trying to get her, he's like, no means yes. And it's like, okay, whoa, (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think, I feel like that remake was very much the movie that he had wanted to make. I think that there's a lot of hindrances that came about. And I feel like those remakes are kind of like, I mean, we talked about the Rob Zombie Halloween, but it's almost like these movies in a perfect world. Now that there's the things, the technology to make it and the budgets to make them big. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think that we can almost like squish them together in a way. Yeah. But yes, I think in that case, then it is, um, it's definitely, it definitely needs to be there. It's not. Yeah. And if you look at it from the view of this being one of the movies that sets up the final girl archetype then it's like, well, yeah, you need it because she has to be the antithesis yes. of it. And and we need Tina to be the opposite of her to set up mm-hmm. that. So it definitely needs to be part of it. You can't have that without it. So and that just makes me think of Cabin in the Woods. But <laughs> we're, we're not talking about that movie. So I feel like I can do like a slight sidebar into it. But I read a thing how everyone in Cabin in the Woods are already the stereotypes that they're looking for and they switch them around to fit their dialogue because what's her face redhead is sleeping with her professor at the very Mm -hmm. beginning um so she's already kind of like the the horror character yeah and then the other girl's really smart she's talking about like she's giving her the book she's talking about what she needs to know for this class she's kind of morally directing her to not sleep with the professor yeah and then Kurt is really, really smart. He's again that kind of nerdy character, and they turn him into the jock. And the other guy's kind of like a doofus. Like they're all the opposites from how they cast them. That if they had just let them be, it just would have played out on its own. So I thought that was really interesting. Anyway, uh, is it essential to the character and their development? Uh, it, I, again, yeah. If we're looking at the the architecture of a scream queen. Mm-hmm. it needs to be there mm. but I don't Other know if it's essential that, to yeah. her development not in this one at least there are ones where it is and I feel like this. maybe the case can be made for the remake because in the in the original he's just a murderer obviously he didn't murder her he was in her vicinity but he did not murder her but in the new one with her having been a victim of his and abuse then it kind of gives it more of a this it kind of gives her more why she's fighting vengeance yeah because he violated her and obviously she's fighting to keep him from doing it to her or anyone else and so I think maybe in the remake more so than the original for sure yeah yeah is it portrayed as a positive or a negative well 100% a negative um (laughs) for for both him and for any, I feel like any Scream Queen movie, it is portrayed as a negative. Like a, it always is. It's the concept that if you have sex, you die, right? Mm-hmm. So that's never a positive. <laughs> <laughs> so is it tied to the violence? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is because like I was thinking of Tina's death in the original and obviously, like I said, loud sex and then her death is very oh, oh it is it's very rapey <laughs> yeah I like it's very it. rapey it 
like she's on the ceiling and she's in her nightgown and she's getting stabbed and she's screaming in a way that's kind of reminiscent of the screaming she was doing when she was having sex and so yeah that's very I think uh there's a lot of implications there <laughs> yes very 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 100 percent. it's tactile violence i mm-hmm. again i guess it, the being essential to the plot kind of thing as well you can't really do this movie without it being there so mm-hmm. uh and is it sexy it, resounding no from me yeah i've never <laughs> that's one thing i didn't like about the remake is i have never ever ever thought freddy krueger was sexy there's nothing about him to me, I mean, you do you. I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but to me, he never has been. And I was watching the remake where he's like trying to fondle her and telling her no means yes and different things. And I'm like, someone out there is enjoying this. And that makes For me uncomfortable. Sure. Monster files. Like and then just the tongue and all the different things, just it's a no. It's a, it's <laughs> a big, big no for me. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, there's people that are in love with the Mothman. So, you know, everyone's got a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I fully agree. Absolutely not. There's nothing about this that's sexy. It's really gross and creepy. Even down to Rod and Nancy. Like, yeah, big pass he was, there. Yeah, he was gross. Like, he, Rod was gross too. Like, <laughs> he was, yeah. Like, you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. Yeah. A little but- bit. Well, then Glenn, I mean, I totally went through a Johnny Depp thing for like years. <laughs> and so I definitely watched this movie and that point was just like, oh, Glenn. But it was because it was Johnny Depp. So I, 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 I never went through that thing. <laughs> you <laughs> but, never went through a Johnny Depp thing? Uh-uh. But I can understand. <laughs> I had a lot of friends that were, and I have seen it probably because of that as well, but not for me. <laughs> And especially in this, I thought it was so silly. (laughs) Yep. I watched most of his filmography at one point just because I was like into a Johnny Depp thing. (laughs) I've I've seen it as well. My sister was very, very, very obsessed with Johnny Depp for a very long time because she was like a young teenager when Pirates came out. And I guess that's like. Uh, Oh, yeah. I was like a middle schooler and it was Orlando Bloom first. And then like two months later, I was like Johnny Depp. (laughs) <laughs> it gets you you don't see it coming <laughs> just like you lose two a... years of your life to it who knows <laughs> but yes so yeah I don't find it sexy and it makes me think of the scene in the second one where he's trying another one of those things that it's like how can this not be gay because he's trying to make out with the girl that is chasing after him the whole movie like she's shameless okay and she's trying so hard to get with him and he's like he tries to make out with her they're on the floor he puts like his head in her boobs and then freddie's tongue comes out of his mouth and is looking at her and it's so gross <laughs> there are a lot of very cringy moments to this movie i i remember watching it and just constantly being like oh oh no <laughs> like really I have I have bad like empathy with movies like I I get very embarrassed for things that obviously don't involve me they're on the screen so I cover my eyes a lot or I'm not very uncomfortable and that happened a lot watching this it was just like oh no I don't want to be a part of this um but yeah it it's cringy and fun yeah I mean it's it's fun it's not sexy though not sexy at all okay well 
Um, I will say that the one who plays Freddy in the new one, his voice is nice. And I think it makes it creepy because it's like deep. And I feel like it has- He a has a good voice. That's yeah. the guy that plays Rorschach in Watchmen as well, mm. who narrates quite a bit of that movie. So he's got a, quite a nice voice. It's very deep, yeah. very film noir kind of. Yeah, that's good. He does a good job. Uh, nothing against Robert England, but obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> the icon um I yeah know. i don't really have anything else to say about it i think that kind of like ties it all up in a little bow it was a good good way to summarize everything i think yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies where like everyone's seen it i feel like yeah. there have been the other two well i guess hellraiser is very much and everyone's seen it but the last two have been more about let's explain more about it because maybe mm-hmm. somebody hasn't seen it whereas this if you haven't seen nightmare on elm street what are you doing with your life and not watching even, horror movies not you know like i mean some people don't like horror movies i'm sure they haven't seen this but if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen nightmare on elm street right. you're missing some fundamental steps here <laughs> so and so have you seen i know we talked about screen queen um documentary but have you seen the Never Sleep Again documentary? I watched it when it first came out. I think I only made it to like the third movie as yeah. far as like the, the sequence of, it's very immersive. That that covers a lot. No, oh, yeah. I, it's like the Friday the 13th when I was, I mentioned. It's like, I've watched it on multiple occasions and I think I'm only at uh, the third or fourth one at this point because yeah. they go through every step of every production of the movies which is fascinating it really is but I'm just not very far into it it speaks to your point that these are definitely movies that have been talked about a lot (laughs) so yes you know very very a lot a lot yeah there's a lot going on here as far as their place in horror history so do you like them I will say that for these (laughs) that I really like the premise because obviously not being able to sleep is terrifying because obviously, like obviously in your dreams, you can be killed. And then, as you said, the sleep deprivation, sleep deprivation is pretty scary. You know what I mean? Um, there's so many things that can go wrong when you're so sleep deprived. And so that is fascinating. I think that's terrifying to think about. Um, I've never been as attached to the franchise as a whole as I was to like Halloween. Yes. Or even Friday the 13th. I've seen all the Friday the 13th sequels for whatever reason, because I mean, they kind of, they're all very similar movies as you go down the line. Yes. Even the one in space. (laughs) Yes. Um, But for whatever reason, I've seen all those and I haven't, I haven't delved very deep into these. I haven't, I haven't either on these ones. I did find it scary when I first watched it. Um, but I think because like you were saying with the sleep, sleep deprivation, a scary part of it is that I had really bad nightmares as a kid. By the time I watched this, I was, I was more over them, but I did go to like, I ended up at like a sleep therapist when I was a kid and had like really bad nightmares and spent a really long time not sleeping properly because of <laughs> nightmares. So for me to watch this, it was just very like, oh shit like mm-hmm. this is this is too real so um I I liked it that way but it's 
definitely not one that sticks with me. There are movies that I have watched so many times that still scare me. Like The Exorcist still scares me. I've seen it countless times, but (laughs) it's still, there's moments in that that really make me cringe. And I for a long time, Demon Possession was like, I don't know why. Oh, actually, I have a theory as to why. But (laughs) that was like my big no. And so um I avoided the exorcist like the plague for a long time like I read the book before I ever watched the movie just because I don't know if it's the voice I don't know if it's the face I don't know something about it just there's a lot out of me and one time my mom told me that when I was younger um she was watching I don't know if it was days were lives or which of those soap operas it was but apparently a lady gets possessed and has like oh it was passions okay that one <laughs> And she was like, yeah, you watched it with me and it really scared you. And I was like, why do you let me watch this shit? Like, I so like much, to- this is like a recurring story of people letting me watch stuff I shouldn't have been watching. <laughs> I'd like so- to say for the record that I've never actually watched that show for some reason that's like infamous with my friends and I as to why I know that. Doesn't matter. Please don't think I watched so much. <laughs> but I didn't after that for the record. But passions passions was always like there was like possession and like somebody gets turned into an animal it was so <laughs> weird it was so weird but yes I could see it being creepy like that yeah so I avoided the exorcist for like ever and even some of the not great movies that had a possession scene mm. that would scare the shit out of oh, me and there was sure. a lot of them for a while there yeah yeah I am one of those people that repeatedly did everything that I was told not to do as a child. So um, as an example, my mother said, as I started watching horror movies, you can watch any horror movie. I don't really care what you watch, but you're not allowed to watch The Exorcist. And so I immediately went out and rented The Exorcist like (laughs) that day. Uh, And I was watching it with a friend of mine and she was just watching it the whole time. Like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I was terrified like absolutely terrified <laughs> I felt so bad she did the same thing with Ouija boards she was like absolutely you're never allowed to play with Ouija board oh yeah so no I immediately went out and got one <laughs> I repeatedly did that throughout my oh, entire my childhood I don't listen <laughs> not to her <laughs> anyway <laughs> so um yeah the exorcist doesn't like to scare me but this is not and I don't think there's any slasher scream queens type movies that would scare people still i think it has mm-hmm. to be a time and a place i don't think that the timeless thing that you're like oh i still can't watch this movie it's just it's just it's so dated right like yeah and i think we've definitely gotten desensitized to it because yeah when you watch the documentaries talk, that talk about especially the very early ones the early like the first movies and all the franchises they're always like oh people were outraged and people were just disgusted and it's just like so many horror movies come out yeah know, that you know no well, one that's an eye over a lot of it to go back to last house on the left there isn't actually a remaining reel of that movie that is the original because as it traveled around from theater to theater different people would cut out the things that offended them about the movie mm. And yeah. just take it out and be like, I don't like this. So they take it out and then the reel would continue and someone else would have. So there's so many different cuts of this movie because no original cut actually exists because people were so outraged about things that were happening in it. So it's, uh, yeah, you can't imagine that happening now. I mean, I guess the ratings board is a thing, like a body that has to say no and yes to things, but 
but still an individual shouldn't. You just watch it or you don't watch it. I think that's the unspoken rule that happens now. But anyway, this was good. This was a good talk. I liked this one. Yeah, we're kind of all over the place, but we came back. Very all over the place. I'm feeling very distracted today. Um, That's okay. Uh, So yeah. Uh, what do we, I, I have found this copy. So if we can, if I, if it works, then we will do excision next week. If it doesn't work, then we'll do midsummer next week mm, and go yes. for something completely fucking different. Let's do Ari Aster. I want to get into it. Yes. This <laughs> I will say so like say. speaking to the movies that don't really scare us, hereditary scared the fucking shit out of me yeah like that definitely scared me so bad and oh not to say I don't get scared I get scared very easily (laughs) I I I told you to watch caveat yeah that movie that entire end of that movie I did not see I had my eyes closed even something (laughs) so simple as a a short like one of those shorts like lights out the original short for that oh my god I didn't sleep for months (laughs) the face at the end of that movie was terrifying <laughs> that really <laughs> fucked me up so Faces i just get me like paranormal activity the very end of the first one where she like runs the camera and her face is all oh, scary that i still won't scary. watch the ring the oh yeah and that i that messed me up too really which you know with like oh paranormal like activity paranormal yeah. activity i saw in the theaters apparently i woke up that night uh my boyfriend woke up and i was sitting up in bed just sitting there he was like, oh, no, 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 no. What? No, I going on. <laughs> and I turned to him and said, There's people in the corners of the room. And he was like, What? Oh. And then I just gosh. lied down and went back to sleep. <laughs> and he was up forever. <laughs> that is so scary. That's what it's like to date me, apparently. <laughs> After I saw that movie, I think I even said that I was like, if you're going to scare the shit out of me, just stand in the corner of the bedroom while I'm sleeping. Yeah. I was just sitting there. There's people in the oh, corners. No. Oh no. <laughs> Get the fuck out <laughs> right now. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at Sexy Violence Pod and come say hello and let us know what your favorite part of Nightmare on Elm Street is. Thanks for listening. Bye.